0: This is Block by Block, a community news program from WPPMLP, Philadelphia, 106.5 FM where we explore issues affecting the Philadelphia area with news reports from members of the community. I'm Kirsten Adams.
1: And I'm Rashida Jamu. In the next half hour, we'll hear stories from our community news reporters about a housing complex under development in Northwest Philly that will have a mix of affordable homes for seniors and market-rate housing, how a local musician uses drumming to promote joy, and some other things that bring people joy.
0: But first block-by-block block reporter Brett Roman Williams has been looking into efforts to find answers in Philadelphia's unsolved murder cases. It's a topic that's personal to Brett, whose brother was the victim of an unsolved homicide. In the first part of a series of reports on unsolved murders, Brett brings us an interview that explores how Philadelphia's low homicide clearance rate puts a strain on the people known as co-victims, the friends, family members, and other loved ones of homicide victims.
2: Almost seven years ago, My own brother's tragic murder was added to the statistics of Philadelphia's unsolved homicides. This painful journey compelled me to shine a light on the many families left in the dark yearning for closure and justice. In 2021, Philadelphia had a homicide clearance rate of just 42%. This means nearly six out of every 10 homicides remain cloaked in mystery. To delve deeper into this alarming state of affairs, I've invited someone who's dedicated his life to resolving such mysteries. With 25 years in the Philadelphia Police Department and now co-founder of Fump, Families of Unsolved Murder Project, I welcome you, retired homicide detective Keith Quick. Fump was founded on a
3: tragedy and it was a good friend of mine and schoolmate whose son was murdered. He reached out to me knowing that I was a retired homicide detective to help in the case because he wasn't getting any traction from the police department in the solving of his son's murder. As a result of getting involved, the police department in Philadelphia got more involved and start doing their job, if you will, and vigorously investigating the murder. And it turns out the perpetrator was a contract killer. And he ultimately was charged with four murders, and the father of the
2: victim that was murdered, we founded the Family of Murder Project. The mission of Fump is centered around advocacy and helping co-victims find resources in the aftermath of their loved one's death. We help fill the void and the lack of communication
3: between the law enforcement community and the community at large who have been victimized by that ugly thing called murder. And we also help the community and the victims or co-victims of murder find resources, resources that they wouldn't know about
2: because the average person hasn't ever been victimized when you talk about murder. Resources such as trauma care and burial costs. He says Fump can also help protect people against witness intimidation.
3: Because not only those families are co-victims of homicide, oftentimes they become witnesses. And when that happens, those people have to be protected. They don't know anything about how
2: or where to go for those kind of resources. Detective Quick believes the long standing mistrust and lack of communication between police and urban communities plays a huge role in unsolved homicides.
3: And that's a long standing thing that has happened. And everyone that lives in an urban area knows about the no snitch policy, but it's not always a no snitch policy. It's about communication, and oftentimes the police don't know how to rightly communicate with the African
2: American community. Specifically, So we also help fill that void. According to the 2023 State of Black Men and Black Boys in Philadelphia report, more than 75% of unsolved homicides are black men. As a result, many of the co-victims that Detective Quick deals with are black women. Mostly it's the women
3: that do the legwork, the detective work, if you will, and also bring us information as to what they heard on the street as to what happened. You have more and more mothers and sisters getting involved in advocating and looking for help to find out what happened to their loved one, how it
2: happened, and to get some recourse or resolution from the law enforcement community. When it comes to helping grieving families that want justice and closure, Detective Quick believes in two words. Communication and empathy.
3: Because when you're talking about investigating a homicide, most investigators don't show enough empathy. And I'm qualifying that, and I'm saying most. Most investigators don't communicate
2: enough with the family. He furthers his point by giving an example of how an investigator can ignore a family's phone calls, or communication in general. If you've lost a loved one, you're grieving, you're hurt, you're traumatized and you're
3: calling the investigator that's assigned to that investigation, and that investigator is not responding. Now, your grief turns into anger, and rightfully so. Even if that investigator doesn't have anything concrete to report to you, it's still important for that investigator to communicate with you and say, look, we haven't forgotten your loved one. We don't have anything new, but we're working on
2: it. That gives that family, that co-victim, some solace. On October 27th, it makes seven years since my brother's case has been unsolved. I asked Detective Quick, what do you say to someone like me? Someone that's given up hope. I would say that there's no statute of limitation
3: on murder. That person that murdered your loved one until the day that they die has to be held accountable and legally can be held accountable No matter how many years have passed, if it's seven, if it's 10, if it's 14, constantly contact the person that is supposed to be responsible for investigating that murder in the law enforcement community. And if you have to bug them, stay on them, be aggressive if you have to in finding out what is happening with that particular case or if anything is happening with that particular case from the law enforcement community, the assigned detective, if you will, the assigned sergeant, the assigned lieutenant, the assigned commander. If you have to start a letter writing campaign, an email campaign, do that.
1: This is the first part in a series of stories from Brett about Philadelphia's unsolved murders. It's a continuation of a documentary he produced called Left in the Dark. We'll hear more stories in the series in upcoming episodes of Block by Block.
0: A local housing developer that normally specializes in affordable housing for seniors is expanding a housing complex in northwest Philadelphia to be what it calls inclusive housing. Block by Block's Connie Com explains the idea is to have Philadelphians from all walks of life living together in a community setting. She visited the construction site to find out more about how, what inclusive housing is and how it could benefit Philadelphians.
4: So we're here on site. Construction's going on around us. I'm speaking with Max Kent who is the vice president of operations for New Portland Elder Services.
5: We're inclusive in several different ways. Part of inclusive housing is what we're not. We're not developing condominiums for high-income individuals where you have a single demographic, that demographic being their income. We're not developing senior housing, which is what kind of New Portland has been known for over the years. We will have some senior units in this property. We'll, in fact, get 40. But those 40 units will be included with market rate units for folks from kind of all followings. We've got efficiencies and studios because we're very close to Temple University and Drexel. We've got 131 one-bedroom units. 40 of them will be affordable housing for seniors. But the remainder are for you know, professionals, business folks. We've got 11 two-bedroom units that kind of lend themselves to folks who are either professionals or or maybe retired empty nesters who just want to get out of that monster house. And finally, we've got five three-bedroom units, which could, in fact, lend themselves to uh, families in the area. And finally, we're building in 20 accessible units. Ten of those will be for the affordable tenants who are using Section 8 property voucher or a rent subsidy. And ten of the ADA units will be for folks in the market rate who may be uh, professionals who just need that ADA support for their activities of daily living. So it's inclusive by age. It's inclusive by income. It's inclusive by a person's mobility. And what we hope is that by bringing all this together, we've actually created a community setting here at 3232 Henry Avenue.
4: Max explains how 3232 Henry Avenue is a mixed-use and inclusive property.
5: It's mixed-use because we've got some commercial space on the property. We've got the dialysis center operated by DeVita Dialysis. We've got the Life Center operated by Innovage. And we've got housing. So it's mixed-use by the fact that there's commercial entities on the property and there is housing on the property.
4: I asked... Is this project part of the gentrification of Philadelphia?
5: We don't promote gentrification. On the other hand, we like to think that we promote inclusion in all of our projects. All of our units are set up to be affordable units. This is a new venture for us. We're not competing with the Center City apartment market. We want to target our markets towards students, families, and folks working in Philadelphia.
4: What phase of this housing development are you
5: currently in, and when do you expect this to be completed? Phase two of, of the overall construction development is about 25% complete. We expect that we'll be opening this time next year if we can stay on our construction schedule and timeline.
4: Can you describe for our listeners what this housing development
5: looks like right now? So on the front of the property, you would see a finished product on the other hand when you walk towards the back of the property and take a look at the tower it still scares me every day we just finished putting the the majority of the windows into the tower the back of the tower is almost totally open without windows or walls because it's going to be all glass wall that's not in place yet Uh, so when you go up in the top of the building it's kind of like a wind tunnel the wind blows through there at very uh, high velocity
4: And when it's
5: finished, what will it look like then? The majority of our our units are one bedrooms, and they will be approximately 1,600 square feet. Our efficiency apartments range between 600 and 800 square feet. We've got some two-bedroom and three-bedroom units that are bi-levels, where the kitchen and living room is maybe on the 10th floor, and the bedroom and outside balcony is on the 11th floor and overlooks the city of Philadelphia. Apartments that have carpeted floors and tile on the kitchen floors that'll have solid countertops that aren't for mica that will have high-end appliances. The majority of them will have showers in the bathrooms. We've got a green space that we're using and the current tenants use for gardening. There are raised beds that a lot of the tenants are using for a community garden. There's a dog park. There will be a gymnasium equipped with accessible equipment and standard gym equipment. There will be a indoor bike rack and storage. Each unit will have its own washer and dryer. There is a package delivery storage area. There is a, an automat, a walking track, a, a tennis court, two pickleball courts. And in our parking lot, we're bringing in 20 electric vehicle charging stations.
4: Max talked about subsidies potential tenants can have.
5: Currently, our 85 units on this property are subsidized through PHA with an ACC or an operating subsidy that defers the rent for seniors. And in the tower, there will be rent subsidies that look like a project-based Section 8, but is known as a RAD, or Rental Assistance Demonstration Subsidy, will be available for the 40 affordable units in the tower. If someone comes to us and they have a Housing Choice Voucher, they can apply that Housing Choice Voucher to their rent in a market rate unit.
4: And if anyone is interested, how would they apply?
5: We will... Be setting up on our website the information for the rental office that'll be on the property uh, the telephone number to call that you can pull down an application from our website and that should be in place at newcortland.org within the next six months
4: thank you so much max for taking the time to do this interview this is connie calm for block by block wppm radio 106.5 fm
1: Philadelphia artist Karen Smith uses her drums to invoke joy and says her music isn't a hobby, it's a lifestyle. My co host Kirsten Adams spoke with Smith to find out how she makes art a life practice.
0: What you're hearing are just some of the sounds produced by Karen Smith, a Philadelphia drummer who uses music and art to promote community wellness. Not only does Karen create for the joy of her community, music has become a crucial factor in her life, almost as important as breathing.
6: So I'm not doing something I don't love. If if I don't love it, I don't do it. I was really doing whatever I needed to do to make it happen, performing on the street, busting, trying different formulas of what that would look like besides just drumming, meeting people um, along the way, building relationships with walking people, and trusting the process is what made a difference. And staying focused, even though it was up and down, someone's up and down, boy. Up and down all my life, but it was really up and down when I really left my so-called nine to
0: five. This year, she was named one of the 2023 Pew Fellows for the Arts, just one of many accolades that attest to her long-standing dedication to her craft.
6: loving yourself, because I really love the sound of the drums and all the music, the percussive part, I love that sound. And I grew up in Motown era, and that was just a drive. That drumming, percussion, and tambourine thing was always in their sentence. So I favored that, and I could always pick it out and play it on the table or whatever.
0: A member of the drumming collective, sisters Laying Down Hands, Smith believes that drumming is a way to connect with her African ancestors and the world around her. No longer a hobby or pleasure activity, drumming, or for better words, creating, has become a way of life.
6: Every time
7: I I perform or step out my door, you know, creativity happens in some shape or form. I do so many things as an artist, so drumming is one for sure and writing and directing and curating poetry storytelling you know all that is incorporated in my life so i would say in my daily life i get to do pretty much throughout the week in some shape or form all those things it's not just drumming it's not just one thing it's the many things that i do And I interact with so many different artists and organizations that, you know, they kind of get dispersed evenly and it becomes somewhat every day. But I think the most every day is just being able to write every day to like make that time to write. I I write with the idea of life. I watch people. I talk to people on purpose. And um, that's how I even develop characters. And besides building connection and building relationships, I think that's part of my everyday life, observing people, and especially people who I don't know even more so. So I think the impact of it all is the fact that I'm
0: allowed to do this full time and impact others as well. As one of Philadelphia's most well-known drummers, Karen will tell you herself, making music is seldom about the money, but about the community she gets to interact with and the joy she invokes through sound.
6: And it really is about giving back to the community at the same time. I can't have a career without other people. (laughs) You know, I can't. I can't. It's impossible.
0: Joy means different things to different people. My co-host Rashida Jamu asked folks at a festival in Germantown about what brings them joy. The festival is organized by two local organizations Rashid works with. Listen closely, because you may recognize some voices that will share their thoughts
1: of joy. On Saturday, September 30th, the 92.9 Community of Joy Fest came to life at Maplewood Mall in Germantown. This vibrant event was a collaborative effort between the Germantown Info Hub and G-Town Radio. We celebrated the power of community-driven and hyper-local media and the boundless joy that our neighborhood embodies. The festival was a delightful blend of vendors, live music, engaging activities, and essential information tailored for our local community. Amidst the infectious spirit of joy that filled the air, I had the pleasure of speaking with our neighbors. We discussed the things that bring them joy in their lives, whether it was on that day or in general.
0: Hi, I'm Fifi. I'm from Fifi Creations. And the thing that makes me joy is to see our young folks reading and to learn more about their culture and just the community around them. That makes me joy. That's why I write children's books. My name is Maisha Pettigrew.
4: And what brings me joy in this particular season is family. Family and friends <laughs> and having the free time to fellowship and hang out with them. Like, fall is the season for today.
0: My name is Kiki, and what brings me joy is finding peace and bringing, uh, I'll say, men together to learn about wellness and self-care through my business. I think that more men, especially black men, that area of their lives are neglected, and so it's really important to find peace, find wellness, find self-care within the black community and within black men. Oh, my name is Barbara Gurley, and I'm with the Crossroads Women's Center. What gives me joy is my 34 year old son, who is in the United States Navy and is an
1: officer,
7: so I'm very proud
1: of him. My name is Rafi, and food brings me joy. Because it tastes so good.
7: Hi, my name is Tammy Towns, and what brings me the most joy is creating things. It's just something that's running my blood ever since I was young. I made clothes, made jewelry, ever since I was little. And my little Barbies, it started off with my Barbie dolls, making them clothes and doing their hair. So that's my thing, that's my passion. I'm Chenille. I'm with Deliciously Lemony, and what brings me the most joy is just seeing people happy. There's so much crime in, I want to say Philadelphia, but in the world period, like walking around and just seeing everybody smiling and joyful, it just shows you that like we still can live.
3: My name is Giannis Chuckars, and what brings me the most joy is people coming together. People coming together at events like this Festival of Joy. It reminds us that we are humans, and we are connected, and we are here for each other, and it brings me joy.
6: Hi, my name is Jill Saul, and the thing that brings me joy today, right at this moment, is we walk Philadelphia Vernon Park. Because it's great energy, wonderful people, we get to be out in nature and walk around our neighborhood, and just have a nice time. My name is Brittany Jennings, and what brings me the most joy is family,
0: whether it's family through bloodline or the family that I have created or welcomed into my life.
4: My name is Kristen Kelly, and what brings me joy is spending time with my family, my parents, like my grandmother. So many stories. I love hearing the stories that they share from like their their upbringing, and yeah, storytelling is kind of a big part of my life, especially as a writer. So I really,
6: I really enjoy that. My name is Luisa Suarez, and what brings me joy is just being around my people. The people that make me laugh, that make me feel warm, and that, you know, make me feel like I'm with people that care about me and truly love me. And I think that that's what life is about, is
0: just finding your people. My name is Kirsten Adams, and what brings me joy is... I really love, like, noticing just the small things, the small interactions between my community. It's like holding the door for the person behind you, saying hello, the like little moments of empathy and care are bringing me so much joy because it's just, there's a lot going on, there's a lot to be upset about, there's a lot to be stressed over, so when someone can just offer you a small little bit of empathy, a little bit of care, it's like, ooh, that just made my whole day.
7: <laughs> my name is Kathy Brown, and joy means to me waking up knowing that I'm thoroughly connected to God every day. That Jesus has my back from the time I open these eyes and that he blessed me with a new day and that I can go and get it right with some people. Joy is my family, joy is my cup of coffee, joy is my job, joy is smiling, joy is helping somebody else to smile. Joy is just being in my space that I occupy at the present moment. Joy is joy and Joy is life to me. Thank you.
1: (laughs) On a closing note, Monday, October 23rd is the last day to register to vote in Pennsylvania for the November 7th election. You can visit vote.pa.gov register to register to vote, check your registration status or to change your name or address. Voters in Philadelphia will be choosing the city's next mayor, as well as voting for members of city council. There are also elections for sheriff, city controller, city commissioners, register of wills, and local and state judges. Block
0: by Block is produced by Kathy Brown, Barbara Martin, Barbara Martin Ellis, Connie Com, E. Marie Lambert, Brett Roman, Brett Roman Williams, and us.
1: Rashida Jamu
0: and Kirsten Adams. Connie Calm is our board operator tonight.
1: Brad Linder is radio news managing editor for WPPM. Peter Liu is radio operations manager. And Allison Durham is WPPM's radio program manager.
0: We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of Block by Block featuring more stories about issues affecting life in Philly region. You can find past episodes of the show on Philly Cam SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast.
1: Thank you for listening.